When you are struggling and you start thinking about giving up, I want you to remember the power of hope. The belief that something better is always possible if you're willing to work for it and fight for it. Our hope that if we work hard enough and believe in ourselves, then we can be whatever we dream, regardless of the limitations that others may place on us. The hope that when people see us for who we truly are, maybe, just maybe, they too will be inspired to rise to their best possible selves. The thing to understand about shame is it's not guilt. Shame is a focus on self, guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is I am bad, guilt is I did something bad. How many of you, if you did something that was hurtful to me, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? How many of you would be willing to say that? Guilt, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. There is a huge difference between shame and guilt. And here's what you need to know. Shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders. And here's what you even need to know more. Guilt, inversely correlated with those things. The ability to hold something we've done or failed to do up against who we want to be is incredibly adaptive. It's uncomfortable, but it's adaptive. If you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. If you put the same amount of shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. The two most powerful words when we're in struggle, me too. And so I'll leave you with this thought. If we're going to find our way back to each other, vulnerability is going to be that path. And I know it's seductive to stand outside the arena because I think I did it my whole life and think to myself, I'm going to go in there and kick some ass when I'm bulletproof and when I'm perfect. And that is seductive. But the truth is, that never happens. And even if you got as perfect as you could and as bulletproof as you could possibly muster, when you got in there, that's not what we want to see. We want you to go in we want to be with you and across from you. And we just want for ourselves and for the people we care about and the people we work with to dare greatly. So thank you all very much. I really appreciate it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Sobers Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I am excited to be here today. Top of the week, of course, I want to come and bring you guys some much-needed motivation. Let me just get the Sobers Dope book out. So we have this ready and loaded for you guys and gals out there. This episode is dedicated to women in recovery 
and I'm going to just say it straight up like that. Um, I want to leave a beautiful message. This episode is by request, um, and I want to talk about topics of midlife drinking and women in recovery and how you know society tends to look at women versus men in recovery. Uh, I know there is some... Um, feelings out there and I'm um, doing a little kind of case study based on the type of posts we've been um, providing on the Sober's Dope Instagram page. We kind of see a disparity between how people view some of the posts with popular male celebrities versus posts with popular female celebrities and that caused me to go back and forth for many people on trying to figure out why are they so hard on particular females like Jessica Simpson, um, Chrissy Teigen, and um, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's like you have a lot of um, rage against them. And then, you know, you have posts that's with people like Robert Downey Jr. slash Mel Gibson, blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot more positive energy, despite the people that have personal issues with these people. And that's not to look at to say it's like that everywhere, but, you know, if anyone ever feels alienated in the recovery space, I want to address it because I don't look at race when it comes to recovery. I don't look at sex when it comes to recovery. I don't look at religion or personal background when it comes to recovery. I feel like recovery is the one place where the playing field is kind of leveled and we all have the opportunity to really just love each other. And I just don't want to be that person where I'm looking at one group or one person's recovery journey um, as being better than someone else's. We all deserve our um, measure of grace and compassion and love and respect. And I want to start off just like that. Um, Sober is dope, supports everyone in recovery, and we will defend Anyone who's being abused, we would defend anyone that um, people are judging because as far as I'm concerned, as long as you're trying and you're contrite and you, have, you, you, you seek forgiveness for your mistakes and you want to change your life and you want to rebuild your life, you deserve a fresh start. Anyone that doesn't grant you that is an asshole. Excuse my language, but I just has to say it straight. You know, unless you hurt that person and then they have the right to not extend forgiveness. But if it's just a stranger and someone who doesn't know your story, that's trying to judge you because they don't like the way you look or your background or your sexual orientation or your religion or your race, then they just, you know, it's unfortunate. Only thing we could do for people like that is to pray for them. Right. So I want to read this anonymous message from one of my friends and I want to keep them anonymous. But if you're listening, I love you. And this episode is for you. And I want to give you encouragement and I hear you. So I'm going to read your message, but I'm going to leave you anonymous. It starts off by saying, love you, pop, struggling, listening to sober dope. Thank you for talking about early recovery. I listen to several podcasts and all these people have so many years. It makes me feel a little defeated because early recovery is so hard. I notice that several of these podcasts talk about men in recovery. Society doesn't really tolerate drunken women. I never started drinking until later in life. Many of these podcasts talk about people drinking as young as 10. I never started drinking until my 40s as a woman. It's disgusting. I know. It's midlife drinking. 
sorry, just down and struggling. I wish there were more on later drinking in life and women. I realize addiction is addiction. However, women can't process alcohol the same as men. And society looks down on women drunks more than men that drink. Lost. Thank you for being you. You know, men are providers, have so much responsibility to support, therefore society kinds of tolerates. Women are supposed to emotionally support, be ladylike, keep the family together, be soft and loving. And if she is a mother, well, they are even more crucified if they are drunk. It's a double standard. Example, Jessica Simpson and Chrissy Teigen. Society just doesn't tolerate it. However, society celebrates comebacks for Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. I love both of them and applaud them. I do. You are the only person as a strong man that I feel has supported these two women. Thank you for that. Anonymous. Well, thank you for your message and thank you for listening to Sober's Dope and um, I understand that you're struggling and it's okay to struggle, all right? That's part of the process. And early recovery is difficult um, for anyone, but it's especially more difficult with someone doing it in midlife because it's probably synonymous with a midlife crisis or a midlife um, predicament that's causing some midlife pain. And I I can relate because I'm 43 years old. So I'm at that midpoint in life where I'm like really and I'm approaching of the first half if I'm not already there or the first quarter, but I kind of feel like I have so much life ahead of me, but I couldn't imagine I could imagine, I should say, I can't imagine how difficult it would have been for me if I started my recovery today opposed to 10 years ago when I was beginning my 30s. I was a little 30-something, 31, 32-year-old guy, and I was going into my recovery journey. I had a really good head start, right? Um, I started drinking at 15, 16 years old. So um, I had a long track record of just uh, examples of it not being good for me. Luckily, I was able to get out in my 30s so I was pretty much drank for um you know about 15 to 16 years of my life right it was just a lot of drinking okay I wasn't always a down and out straight up staunch drunk alcoholic it was like I was functioning to extremely non-functioning um so in your case so Starting at 40 years old, anyone out there starting a midlife drinking is and then being in early recovery. So the first thing I want to address is um, early recovery takes a lot of self-reflection, reflection, um, a lot of understanding of why you are trying to recover. You have to really investigate the benefits that it's going to have on yourself. You have to kind of understand that the benefits outweigh the um, the the um, the short term difficulties and pains you may face, because it's it's not going to be easy. The first couple of weeks and months are going to be going to be challenging. And what I want you to realize is, you have to shift your perception. And you have to be extremely gentle on yourself. And you have to exercise and practice extreme self-care. 
because um, the one thing I don't know is how long you have been drinking, but it sounds like you started in your 40s, so maybe you have some years of drinking under your belt, or it's just been extremely problematic and you're nipping it in the bud now. But drinking causes a lot of emotional damage, a lot of um, psychological damage, spiritual damage, and physical damage. So before we address most of the other things, I want to talk about the physical aspects. Being a 40-something, you're pretty, you're still very young. Let's start there. Midlife, I don't even, I'm not sure if that's technically midlife. Midlife is more 50 and up, I would say, because depending on life expectancies, but I would say middle give yourself don't don't hang on that midlife you're still young all right we're gonna we're gonna save the midlife for more 50 55 stuff like that but okay you're approaching midlife you're in the midlife range right you're still very you still have a strong body all right your body still has a bunch of resiliency built into it so it can be extremely forgiving but you have to be patient with yourself Okay, so I wrote out a special report just for you. I spent a day on it, and I'm going to read it for you. Okay, all right. Um, here we go. <sighs> um, midlife can be a time of great change, and with change comes stress, anxiety, and even a crisis of identity. For some, this can lead to excessive drinking and addiction, which can be especially cha especially challenging for women. Here are some tips on how to navigate a midlife drinking crisis and addiction. Tip number one, acknowledge the problem. The first step in dealing with midlife drinking and addiction is to acknowledge that there is a problem. It's important to be honest with yourself about how much you're drinking and whether it's becoming a problem. Two, seek professional help if you're struggling with midlife drinking and addiction. Seeking professional help can be critical. This may include talking to your doctor, therapist, or support group like Alcoholics Anonymous. Three, identify triggers. It's important to identify what triggers your drinking, what triggers your drinking, so that you can avoid these situations or develop healthy coping mechanisms. This may include stress, boredom, or loneliness. Develop a support system. Surrounding yourself with a strong support system can be key to overcoming midlife drinking and addiction. This may include friends, family, or a support group. Practice self-care. Taking care of yourself is essential during midlife crisis and midlife drinking. This may include exercise, eating a healthy diet, and getting enough rest. Explore new hobbies. Exploring new hobbies and interests can help you find new sources of joy and fulfillment and can distract you from drinking or addiction. 7. Embrace change. Embracing change can be difficult, but it can also be incredibly rewarding. This may include exploring new career opportunities, travel, or other life changes that bring you joy and fulfillment. Remember, it's never too late to make positive changes in your life. By taking steps to deal with a midlife crisis and midlife drinking and addiction, you can find new sources of joy and fulfillment in this stage of your life. A few extra tips that may be helpful. Seek achievable goals. Setting achievable goals is extremely critical. 
Setting these goals can help you focus on the positive changes you want to make in your life. This could also include cutting back on your drinking, participating in new activities, or reconnecting with the old friend. Practice mindfulness. This is key and sober is dope. Mindfulness is extremely important, and we have episodes on this, but I'm going to elaborate a bit for you. Practicing mindfulness techniques such as meditation or deep breathing exercises can help you manage stress and anxiety in a healthy way. So definitely practice some form of meditation and anxiety um, reducing techniques such as deep breathing. Find a hobby or activity that brings you joy. Finding a hobby or activity that brings you joy can be a great way to distract yourself from drinking or addiction. This could be anything from painting to hiking to learning a new language. This is part of our Creativity Tames the Beast theme of Sober is Dope. The ABCs, always be creating. Avoid triggers. Avoiding triggers, which we mentioned above, but it's also worthy to mention again such as certain people or places that make you want to drink, all right? This is what we call slippery places, slippery people, and slippery thoughts, okay? Um, this can be a helpful strategy in managing midlife drinking and addiction. Stay accountable. Staying accountable to yourself and others can be key in overcoming midlife drinking and addiction. This may include checking in with a friend or support group or keeping a journal to track your progress. Accountability is key. Taking accountability for yourself, as we mentioned, is one. But also, like... What I did, which was extremely helpful, was the first time, but I didn't do this in early recovery, so I'm going to be careful here, but it does help. The first time I was recovering out loud, where I really went online and started talking about it, or at least putting my sober date out there. I think the first time I talked about my recovery was my three-month mark. It was like big for me. 90 days, 90 and 90. I hit three months. It was like the biggest celebration. It was up there with 10 years. This is something that Mr. Joseph Pop Buchanan never was able to do in his life. I never was able to do anything consistently for three months in a responsible way, unless it was music, but I was always doing these things in an irresponsible way with drinking and doing and doing and smoking weed and stuff. But you know, three months sober, I was like, man, I could do it. It's three months, 90 days. I haven't had a drink. I've been sticking with my program. I've been going to AA. I'm seeing a psychiatrist. I'm working out. I'm talking to family again. I, I'm doing, I have a day job. I'm doing all of this stuff while I'm in treatment. I'm interning. It was exciting, right? And this was, I was 10 years off from where you are now. So I was in my 30s in early recovery, you know, 31. So, I mean, it was extremely positive for me to highlight that. So sometimes just celebrate your wins. Um, we mentioned staying accountable, but I want to also qualify that by saying staying accountable to yourself and others can be key. Um, avoiding triggers. What else? Practice self-compassion. This is important for me. Practice self-compassion can help you be kinder to yourself during this difficult time. Remember that overcoming midlife drinking and addiction is a journey and it's okay to stumble along the way. Find a therapist or counselor. I'm going to say this again, all right, because, all right, this is why this is important in your case, um, being that this is an episode that's tailored for you and people that's going through what you're going through, midlife drinking, a woman that's dealing with midlife drinking and a possible midlife crisis or stuff. Now, listen, be easy on me with the midlife crisis part. It's just a connection between midlife drinking and midlife crisis. I wanted to use that kind of like... I wanted to use that to as a support bed to kind of reference off of because 
it, it, I can identify. I'm kind of going through a midlife crisis thing right now, but luckily I'm in recovery. And I think that we kind of like we're hard on ourselves. I think if you're going through a midlife crisis because you care about your journey and where you are now and you're treating yourself with a form of self-care because you're just saying to yourself, like, essentially, I really want to get this right. And even if I gummed it up a bit, moving forward, I want to make sure I'm doing everything to kind of set the next stage for my life, which it gets much better. I'm starting to realize I'm enjoying my life way more in my 40s than I ever did in my 30s, ever did in my 20s. I look forward to being in my 50s and I look forward to being in my 60s. That's a long way from now, but I'm I'm adjusting to embracing that journey. I'm not Oh, I'm 40 and, you know, I don't look, I, I don't feel as energetic as I used to be. And I, I may not be as young and vibrant as I used to be. And Oh, am I getting up there? I don't function from that space. I function from a space that, hey, I'm 43, man. Yo, I'm 10 years sober. I could have been dead years ago. I'm still alive. I feel good. I look good. I have people around me. I have a second chance to live. So many people never had this second chance. Wow, this is amazing. That's my energy, right? So I look forward to celebrating 50. My dad died at 52. It's a, it's a generational thing in my family for the men to definitely conquer that, what we call a generational curse of early death. Like we wanted to end that generational issue in our family. So every time one of my brothers or I, or one of my brothers or the men in my family reach 52, we have a big celebration because our father passed away at 52. And we want to just, so we embracing it. We we want to live we're, we're shooting for 82 92 102 112 even because we deserve to live and living is a beautiful thing we're going to exist eternally through the spirit but while we're here physically we want to embrace that lastly um um so so bringing it back to the point find a therapist and counselor because at 41 you want to really compare that to your life the midlife issue and you want to really talk it out with someone what 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 made you drink think about it what's the pain points what's your secrets what are you hiding what are you ashamed of where's the guilt coming from where's the regret where's that sadness where's the heartbreak where's the emotional disconnects where's the pain for the people that disappointed you where's the pain for the way you you disappointed yourself where is the that 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 pressure coming from sometimes to get to the root of why we're drinking the pain the ptsd the trauma behind our past the trauma from the breakup the trauma from that loss the trauma from the sickness or the illness the loss of a family member the trauma from these compounded things that happen over the years that keep us in a state of sadness and disconnect we have to address that okay um and sometimes therapy and having and counseling or seeing a psychiatrist that could um, like we said with the Lady Gaga post, she said it's okay to see a doctor, um, but maybe try to get your doctor to refer you to a therapist and then have your therapist refer you to a really good psychiatrist. Sometime taking antidepressants or being prescribed the right medication could be all you need. Um, take care of your physical health. Taking care of your physical health, such as getting regular exercise and eating a healthy diet, can help improve your overall well being and make it easier to manage midlife drinking and addiction. So, midlife, like, so right now, I want to shift the conversation from not midlife drinking because you're in early recovery let's talk about midlife early recovery now and um i want to give you some tips these tips all apply to early recovery but i also want to just qualify it by saying like i know it's extremely hard 
But I have to ask you a few questions. Are there, do you live with anyone? If you don't live with anyone, that's a good thing because now you don't have anyone in the environment that's bringing alcohol around you. So midlife drinking, this episode is tips for dealing with midlife drinking and early, no, this tips is dealing with midlife drinking, addiction, and midlife early recovery and crisis, right? So for anyone, maybe somebody is drinking in early in your in your midlife or you're someone that's in early recovery or someone that's in recovery, someone that's struggling or someone that has mental health issues in their midlife. This episode is for you. And, and we qualify it. It's coming from a point of view for um, for women. But this also the tips and stuff also apply to men. But this episode was requested by uh, a, a female friend of mine um, uh, that listens to Sober is Dope. And I wanted to honor that. And I wanted to talk about her that particular journey and this and that context. So if you live with someone, then you have to try to put them on notice and say, hey, listen, early recovery is difficult. And what I'm going through is not easy. And I'm just requesting the emotional support. And I'm requesting that no alcohol or anything be around the house and that you be gentle. um, Because it's, it's really difficult. And I just need a supportive environment. If you're in a place and it's not a supportive environment, that's maybe one of the reasons you're having a midlife crisis and you're drinking. So you may have to think about I know this may be extreme, but I had to do this. I had to go to extreme lengths to make sure in early recovery, I was in a place that was conducive to my healing. I couldn't go back to the place that I came from because that was triggering. So I had to go to my sister's place and stay with kids. And I had to stay with in a family environment, play with crayons and watch um, SpongeBob and chase the kids around the house and, you know, eat vegetarian food because my sister and them was vegetarian. But <laughs> it was the safest place for me. It was fun. It was kids. It was an environment. It was no drinking it was everyone was supportive right so my thing was i had to leave from rehab i couldn't go back to where i was even though i was kind of homeless but i could have went back around the same characters and kind of like started playing the same games i didn't so my advice with you there is about your environment the next thing is early recovery is sometimes difficult because we try to go about business as usual and when you're in midlife you have those bills you have pressure from the job you can't do this and necessarily still go to work and and be acting like everything is hunky-dory and meanwhile you're going through withdrawal symptoms and you have you know issues and your temperament may be off and so what I like to ask people to do in early recovery, especially when you're dealing with it in your middle life, is to take a vacation. Take an early vacation, man. You know, tough out that two week, put in your two weeks notice. Take, you know, you if you have to go to work for two weeks in early recovery, at least you could say, well, I have a week off where I could just rest, go see a doctor, jog, take some sick days, cash out your sick days, you know. Um I even would I, I, now listen. I want to put a disclaimer here. Sober is dope is not medical. We're not doctors. We can't give medical advice. We don't give financial advice. And if we do, should consult with a doctor, a professional medical person. Consult with a professional financial person. Consult with a professional therapist and stuff. I'm just giving you general information that I use in my life and that I would recommend. But always, you know, verify it and get a second opinion, right? Because I don't want to get in any trouble and I don't want you got to mislead anyone in any way so now with that's being said i would not work 
at all if I was in early recovery. I would literally quit my job, I'm not saying quit your job in an irresponsible way, but I would try to structure something with my employees where I could go on a long-term leave. But if I knew I could pick up another job in another six months and I had enough savings, I would personally give myself the time just to heal and not try to go through the motions. But that could bring up a few issues. Sometimes people find people their job your job could be helpful you can't drink at work unless you're a bartender and i would say quit that job immediately but if you have a job and it's a healthy environment and there's people around and supportive it could be helpful but you want to buy yourself a week or two just to get the early stages of withdrawal out the way or go to a professional detox so now that you got the detox out now you're like, okay, I'm in this rehabilitated state, but I'm going to do it at home and I'm doing a kind of like cold turkey at home thing. If it's too difficult, my advice would be try to go into like a rehab place for like a 30 day, a 15 day, a 45 day, a 60 day. I did a a year, um, pretty much close to a year. It was a calendar year because they was under the jail system. So I did about nine months and some change. Um, but they considered that when I graduated a full year cycle in, in the actual rehab program I was in. Um, if so my thing is with you sometimes and with anyone that's listening, just be gentle with yourself and honest. If it's too difficult, take some time off. Go into a professional facility and really get professional help. This is your life you're talking about. I try to, to explain to people recovery is not just something that you want to just kind of like freestyle you don't want to freestyle your recovery you really want to take it seriously like you have to be able to say to yourself this is going to set the stage for the rest of my life this could make me recovery promises to restore you to a place of clarity where you could really make a difference in your life if you're sitting down right now when you're not happy where you are you never followed your dreams you're in your midlife you're still in your 40s you may be between 41 46 you know and you're like damn man i don't know how i'm what i'm like where did all the time go when you're doing the woe is me thing but it's coming from a real place because you're watching other people in your life that wasn't hindered by whatever brought you to drinking do them use this time because being at the middle part of your life is a superpower you have enough wisdom now to correct all of your mistakes, your shortcomings and your character defects you have the superpower now to really and resources to act on the things that you want. And you have the knowledge, thus listening to Sober is Dope and being part of the community to know the difference between the benefits of addiction versus recovery. And now that you're in recovery, you could take that as a superpower and take actionable steps to become great. But it's hard. So sometimes the what's the the is so delicate. And it's so important that you have to give it the necessary care that it deserves. So take time off. Give yourself the freedom. Tell everybody, I'm not answering phones. I'm in recovery. Another thing, 
This anonymous idea of doing recovery is all based on the ego. I think being anonymous sometimes slows down your recovery journey because you're afraid to connect with people. When all your friends and family want from you is the truth. That's all they desire to be helpful. And if you give your friends, if you share your truth with your friends and family and they don't reciprocate compassion, then they're not your family or friends. I don't, Jesus said it the best when he was preaching in the um, in the square. They said, your family's outside. He said, my family's those is like unto my father's will. Leave those people standing there. They, he left them stand there. He said, yeah, I'm doing my father's work. That's that's my family. He understood his mission. Your, your mission now is I have to stay sober. I have to navigate through this. And anyone that's not giving me the love and compassion I deserve, I'm not. I don't want them in this next chapter of my life. Because you deserve this compassion. You deserve the grace. You deserve the peace. So those are my tips. Now, um, if you are a female, a woman, or someone who identifies a, as a woman in recovery, because I want to be careful for all, I want to be, this is a gender fluid statement. If you identify as a female woman or they or them or however you identify, this Sober's Dope supports gender fluid, anyone being gender fluid or whatever your orientation is. Again, this is a safe place for anyone that's in recovery. We do not judge. We do not bring our politics and uh, too much of stuff into it um me as a personal individual i'll shoot straight i have no problems with anyone um the decisions that they make you can love who you want to love and you could be what you want to be as long as you're happy that's my personal opinion and i never try to get into the debates about it because i'm not god so i can't judge i can only extend love and forgiveness i don't understand how people could fix themselves to judge when they're clearly not the creator so it's like you're judging when you are imperfect stop judging people when you are an imperfect human being you are intrinsically, each one of us are intrinsically born natively imperfect with sin, with, with mistakes and with shortcomings. So you cannot go through life sitting on some high mighty throne of judgment and thinking that you could execute and pass judgment on everything you don't like and everything you don't understand and everything you don't agree with. So this message is for all the women out there, anyone who identifies you are the most beautiful creation in the universe, Period. Men has been afraid of women for years, all right? The DNA mitochondria that makes up the human body is one of the most most powerful um, things that make up who we are. The women holds the mitochondria. You are the key. You have the genetic superiority. Without you, we cannot be transported here you are the mother you are like in the mother earth you are sacred just like jesus had his mother was sacred um even the lady of samaritan was sacred all right uh, mary magdalene was sacred anyone that and and christ said it he who was out sin cast the first stone so i want you to take back your and take back ownership of who you are and how beautiful you are and yes you're hearing this from a man because i'm a man who understands his mother and loves his mother and i understand the the majesty of women because I come from beautiful women. I understand the historical context of how important women are because it was at some point, it was always the queen who had the power. It was always the women who took care of the tribe. It was always the women who the the original chiefs and Native American was the women. And some of the chiefs in some African places were the women, the warriors, you know, um, women are extremely foundational. And because we are in a male, I learned this in sociology class. We 
live in a male-dominated, androcentric, egotistical society where men, a patriarchal, a patriarchal, male-dominated, androcentric society, meaning that it's extremely male-skewed and male-dominated, and the media is extremely less lenient on, um, uh, um, less lenient um, on women than they are on men when it comes to certain things. And the public kind of sometimes can be harder on women um, because it is this expectation of women being perfect and motherly and docile and submissive. And we know that's bullshit. Women are strong. They're warriors. I don't know too many men that could go through nine months of birth. I mean, I can't. I mean, I I fold off the common cold. You know, you give me a little fever, I'm done. I'm saying my final rights. I'm calling the priest. Everybody's like, Pop, you got a cold. I'm like, yeah, but it was good knowing you and everything. I just never could get past a common cold. I'm always preparing, making final rights and stuff. I couldn't imagine giving birth. So understand that. And don't let anyone, um, I try I try to say for myself, because I can't tell you what to do, is I can't tell women what to do. But what I do as an individual, as I don't let anyone dictate who I am, I know my majesty, I know I know I'm royalty, I know I'm I'm a child of God, I'm in the image and likeness of my creator. I was born blessed, right? Um and so are all the women out there. And you deserve to express your recovery without people being assholes and stupid. And sometimes I don't like the curse, but come on, you know, we're in recovery, so we done did it and seen it all. So I'm not gonna sit here and play church mouse with you guys. You know, sometimes I you know, so if you're listening, um I apologize if the curse bothers you, but people can be really they could be assholes. And you don't deserve that. So I love you. You are love. You are worthy. You deserve it. You're stronger than me. Women are stronger than men, period. Case in point, nobody can ever deny that. And we're not talking about physical strength. So what if a man could bench press more because he's genetically bigger? Doesn't mean he's stronger in spirit and stronger in will, right? Um, I know too many beautiful mothers who just never gave up on their people and their kids. Um, it's very easy for men to sometimes disconnect, but women usually sit there holding a the bag and they do it with grace and just being a mother and being a potential to give birth and have to and be a mother and a grandmother one day and someone who, who could bring life here and someone who makes sacrifices, um, someone who could nurture life, someone who has a genetic capability to, con- to create continuity in life. Um, you deserve all of the respect in the world. And if you're in recovery and it's difficult um, because your body handles it um, a little bit more harshly. Um, We could talk about that. Uh, Women are very, um, you know, you have, you're smaller, you you know, alcohol is very corrosive. It has a lot of, it's damaging for both men and women. But if you're in your midlife, it could do a number on you, right? It's hard. It's hard on your liver, your kidneys. um, And then you have your personal reproductive cycles and things that you're dealing with so it it you're dealing with a lot more on your plate than a man who's going through that right because you have different biology and then it's the emotional connection women are 
um, I wouldn't want to say more emotional. I would want to say more in tune with emotions because we all have emotions. We're humans, but women are deep. You sit with emotions, you hold things in, you go through a lot. Just, this is me. This is, I'm a guy who was raised with a mother, two sisters, aunts, and you know, my dad died when I was 13. I got to really know. I always had girls when I was younger. I, I, I love women. I, I have so much respect for them. You know, I'm, I have a, the person that I'm with is in recovery and she's in early recovery and I, and I'm trying to really be there for her. I see the pain, you know, she's dealing with real serious issues. The other thing I want to talk about is why it's important not to drink in midlife and why we should all stop drinking. You know, you got people dying of pancreatitis. You have people dying of cirrhosis. You have people dying of fatty livers and sugar and alcohol is extremely corrosive and it's a toxin. And I really want to start stressing that it's no longer cute and fancy and trending. This is life or death. Alcohol is a, a, one of the leading causes in breast cancer in women. It's at the, the top of the list. Smoking and drinking, top of the list. Estrogen dominance is at the top of it, but it's also alcohol creates an estrogen dominant environment. And so is drugs. So if you are dealing with early recovery and midlife recovery and it's difficult, yes, it's difficult, but it's going to be way more difficult continuing to drink and you're going to be way more sick. So stick in there. We have this theory of one day at a time when it's difficult, one second at a time is the recommendation. One minute at a time is the recommendation. One hour at a time. You could work your way up to one day at a time. But in early recovery, I was hugging on every minute, every hour. So, you know, if I could just get through this next hour, man, and we get close to dinner, I'm going to eat and I'm going to read a book. And then around now, I'm going to take a shower. I used to plot my day per hour like that just to stay in the thing. I started looking forward to stuff like, okay, it's a, it's a, it's 1230 at night. All right. So I can't go to sleep right now. So I'm going to read the book. I'm going to go on Instagram to about 130. This is 10 years ago when Instagram first was popping off and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do some push-ups, and then I'm going to watch Honeymooners and then, you know, something like that. I will plan it, right? I will make it eventful, make it eventful. All right. Early recovery can be eventful. Uh, it's just you're going to be dealing with discomfort. Let's talk about a little bit of discomfort. Dehydration. Never stay dehydrated. I want you to always be drinking. Stay hydrated. Always be eating. Have a lot of food around. Um, have a lot of entertainment and get a lot of rest. If you do this, if you sleep as much as you have to, as soon as you feel tired, go to bed, take naps all day, wake up, drink, drink juices and fluids and waters and seltzers and juices and fluids and waters and seltzers. And then you have good food. And you still, you never want to, they got this concept called halt. All right. You never want to be hang hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? In addiction, in early recovery. If you could never be, always make sure you eat. You never want to be hungry. You don't want to be angry because if you get angry, you could be triggered. So you need to be able to control those emotions, right? Um, all right, to my ladies out there, all right, and to my fellas too, control those emotions, man. I don't let the they Confucius said it best. He who angers you conquers you. All right. And that's what I want. All right. So I want to wrap this episode up. We're going to pick to a random page in Sober is Dope, which we're going to read from. Okay. This random page here says, 
Healing from alcohol, drugs, and addiction. Spiritual warfare and prayers for inner healing. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Father, help me to be vigilant and sober in all that I do in Christ Jesus' name. Two, Father, as I take the step to recover sobriety, please help me to be healthy and not give in to the pressure of any kind. Three, Father, abstinence is a challenge. Please help me to overcome it by the blood of the Lamb of God. Four, Father, help me to know the truth and to defend it. Five, Father, send healing into every area of my life in Christ Jesus name six father deliver all addicts that are under the influence of alcohol and drugs in Christ Jesus name seven every spirit of alcoholism program into the lives of our youth men and women father destroy these spirits in the name of Christ Jesus that's page 32 sober is dope book right now we're gonna pick a random tip from pops top 100 tips and we're gonna talk about that Tip number 37, which I think is totally befitting. Watch out for slippery, um, um, triggering places, people, thoughts, and ideas. Avoiding relapse. You see how that works? Random page of sober is dope. It means this episode is part of our alignment. I'm glad we did it today. Because the first thing I went to is tip number 37. Watch out for slippery, triggering places, people, thoughts, and ideas. Number 38, take naps. And number 39, give your brain dopamine, give your brain or dopamine receptors time to heal from addiction. That's from the Sober's Dope book by Pop Buchanan. You can get it at any major outlet or the link in bio on Sober is Dope at Sober is Dope on Instagram. So um, that was extremely powerful. All right. Watch out for those slippery places. Take naps and give yourself time to heal. Give your brain a dopamine receptor's time to heal. So, as you know, when you do drink alcohol, so I'm going to give you a quick scientific course and we're going to wrap the episode. So, when you say early recovery is difficult for me because I'm in mid, I'm, I'm a midlife drinker and I don't have a history of drinking. I just started now. I don't know what prompted you to start. Maybe it could be depression, heartbreak, disappointment, sadness, boredom, di- um, a divorce, some t- something could have triggered that. And I'll reach out for you and we're going to get to the bottom of that because I still owe you a call. All right. Um, and, um, and, and, and hit me up on Instagram. Every one of you think we should start a consultation. I'm thinking about doing for sober is dope consults for people that just want to answer questions and want to get on the phone with me. Let me know if we should start doing that. Or maybe we could do something with that. Um, Yes, yeah, so quick scientific crash course. You drink alcohol. So what happens to your brain when you drink alcohol that causes it so difficult for you to thrive in early recovery because your brain is upside down, so to say. So if I drink alcohol, the first thing that happens is my brain is flooded. It's like wherever the dopamine stores are in our brain, it's like a dopamine warehouse. And we have all of this dopamine that the body releases in small increments as a part of your reward system, right? Your dopamine reward system, right? That's how that focuses. Your brain works on a reward system. So like if you eat something and you like it, it sends a signal, you get a little dopamine hit, blah, blah, blah. You do something 
something you like, whether it's sex, you get a little dopamine hit because your body wants to reward you for these positive behavior traits because it wants you to want to reinforce you doing it. But some things hijack that whole pathway, which is alcohol and drugs. They hijack that. So you drink alcohol and alcohol goes into your brain and it opens up all of those lockers of dopamine and it floods your brain with free floating dopamine and you get this big high because you have all of this dopamine that's float floating around right and that affects your dopamine receptors because after a while your dopamine receptors start to shrink and shrink and shrink and get smaller and smaller and weaker and weaker because your the alcohol keeps robbing it's a thief it keeps stealing the dopamine stores in your brain and it's flooding it it's letting it go it's like be free be free and you got all this free available dopamine and then when that dopamine gets burnt up and you burn through it you crash and then when your brain starts looking for the dopamine the next day there are there are none because it was all stolen so now your brain goes well something stole our dopamine so why don't we look for that same thing to give us some more do- the, uh, the dopamine hit right so you start looking for the alcohol to replace your actual dopamine receptor stores all right this is how it works so it's like, yo, yeah, the, the, the alcohol steals all of this dopamine, then there's no more dopamine, and then your body starts saying, well, I just need, I, I feel off. All right, so I'm going to explain it from my point of view. When I knew I had no more dopamine, I would wake up, and feeling negative dopamine in my body was the worst feeling. I was extremely nervous. I, had, I, 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 would, I couldn't talk to anybody. I was totally isolated. I had the shakes. My nervous system was shot. I was shaky i was afraid all the time it was like oh my god and the only thing that would make me feel normal was to get another drink that's where the the addiction starts i need this now because i did something to damage my dopamine stores and dopamine receptors and the only thing that seems to make me feel better is the same thing that damaged it it's more alcohol so I drink the alcohol and, okay, I feel a little bit better. Then I wake up, oh, now I feel 80 times worse. So let me go get more alcohol. Okay, I feel better. But now I feel a thousand times worse. Let me go. That's the cycle until my body just was so broken and my brain was so defeated one day that I got on my knees and started crying and gave my life back to God. I can't, I can't do this. This is chemical slavery. It's like I'm I'm a slave to this chemical that's destroying my brain. And the only reason I keep, I'm, I don't even know why I need it. Now I scientifically know, understood why I need it because I was allergic to it. And it had this adverse reaction to my dopamine levels. And it started to replace the dopamine. When I needed to feel dopamine, I went to my drink. My brain no longer could do it naturally. And I needed to stop. So when I stopped drinking early recovery at 31 years old, I did feel lousy, but I understood that that would change in time because my brain receptors, my dopamine receptors would start healing again. My kidneys and pancreas and my liver would start healing again. My body would naturally detox itself. And then my brain would start, like my brain health would start to improve. My vital neurotransmitter hormones like norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin would start to, and adrenaline, these type of things would start to heal. My cortisol levels would drop. I'll start to feel less 
less stressed and less anxious because when you're when you're dealing with low dopamine your cortisol levels is shooting through the roof right so you have this like stress in the background you're antsy you're, you're you just need to hit that's why when they say addicts is antsy and they dumping they're bouncing around they're f- they're free floating with cortisol they have no dopamine and they're bouncing around because they're anxious because they need a hit because they need that dopamine hit because they have no dopamine right so the more that that's what keeps us addicted you're addicted to dopamine man and when your brain has no more your drug of choice replaces the dopamine in your brain and that cycle just repeats itself but as you heal you get better so how to get better follow these tips listen to this episode prioritize self-care go seek a therapist stay hydrated eat good food eat a lot of antioxidants get a lot of vitamins make sure you go get a blood battery test and check where you're defending you might be deficient in iron you might be deficient in vitamin d take a vitamin d3 supplement because we know when we drink we're depressed we stay in the house we're not outside as much we get low vitamin d levels low zinc levels these things start to cause depression when your body is not in balance or homeostasis due to your addiction you will feel depressive symptoms low energy lethargy and lack of enthusiasm so when you're in early recovery, know that you're combating the negative effects of your drug of choice, but you're healing. You heal way, way faster than it, it caused to create the damage. The damage that was caused took way longer than it'll take for you to heal. Let's say it that way. So your healing is fast track. Your body prioritizes healing and getting you back to homeostasis. Just be patient with yourself. Take that vacation. Take two weeks off and just focus on your recovery. Go talk to a priest. Go to a church. Go to AA, go to NA, go to a smart recovery group, listen to the Sober's Dope podcast, get the Sober's Dope book, get everyone else's book. Um, we got a lot of good books out there. It's just not Sober's Dope, but you should be reading some type of Quitlet. And I will recommend Quit Like a Woman is a good book from Holly Whitaker's one of the top quit lit books. She's the founder of Tempest, the school. So if you're a woman in recovery, go check that book out. Quit Like a Woman is a really good book from Holly Whitaker. So shout out to Holly and the people at Tempest. I'm shooting y'all some love. That's my people over there. Shout out to Brandon Be Happy. He's one of them over there. He's one of my guys. Um, shout out to all the women in recovery. Elise Bryson, um, Brooke, uh, uh, Missing May from creative sober um um katie mack from the fucking sober podcast um um courtney anderson from sober sober vibes and um the founder of national sober day uh connie mcmillan um the the founder of um sobriety queen um the the author sobriety um sobriety queen um hold on i got her book here i'm sorry i can't be screwing up connie's book name uh alcohol fiend and sobriety queen connie mcmillan shout her out um the sober sessions podcast that's hers there's a lot of females kicking butt sober as a mother's kicking butt who else we have a lot of females out there sober nisha she's out there um Shout out to Mary Alice O'Hara, who's a big supporter of Sober is Dope. Sober is the new cool side. Shout out to them. Shout out to um, uh, um, Keola Reigns, who who runs a beautiful um, so sobriety group on the... Um, 
What's that app, man? It's a, a reframe app. So shout out to Kikiola Rames. She's a kinesiologist, sobriety health coach. So shout out to the Sober Black Girl founder, Kati, um, for um, doing what she's doing. Shout out to the girls from um, Sober Voices, uh, Alicia, and um, um, uh, my friend Joy over there. They're kicking butts. I'm going off the top, so if I'm screwing up names or anything, just so many beautiful people shout out to liz m she's doing i'm um, sober work in nantucket shout out to um nancy shipman from wake up carolina she's doing great things every day uh who else am i um it's just so many beautiful women in recovery that's kicking butts and taking names so um I, there's no shortage of support even on instagram okay so for everyone that's listening we love you you're listening to the sober is dope podcast we have a thriving booming um female audience and um an audience of people that's really supporting um shout out to all my men out there this episode is not about you guys there's no snipe to you you guys could take all of these tips but it's very important as men for us to really put to protect all the females and anyone that identify a female in recovery, protect them. You see anyone out there bullying them? Sometimes what I like to say is that if you see anyone bullying anyone in recovery, protect them. But especially women because you have a lot of um, trolls and people on the internet that will attack someone just because they're women and just say mad, crazy, offensive stuff. And we can't be innocent. We can't be st- um, bystanders and not step in and say, yo, you wrong and fight with people. I will battle somebody down to the last i'll type out all night with you if you think you're gonna troll a post about a woman that i do when you're coming from a, just a real negative toxic perspective so all of our fellas out there we step up with it as men as integrity shout out to the brothers in recovery and you wouldn't want no one talking crap to your daughter your mom your sisters your, your, your cousins um or your best friend that's a female so don't let nobody talk to no stranger like that because women in my world and in any society has always been treated with grace okay so we have to protect them i'm a christian so the highest the, the madonna is the highest theme for us the mother mary you know um coming from my african roots the the the, one, the mother the umi the was always the queen and will always be the queen the sacred dna the sacred mitochondria the rna the ribonucleic acid that was given from the woman the man um that rib in the bible was all the ribonucleic acid there's a lot of um a symbolism there how uh, um adam gave eve the rib and all of this stuff and it was this it was all of this stuff that we did she was able to give life it was beautiful so what we have to really do in a community is just emphasize the importance of this so if you listen to sober is dope and you're a female you get you you know i love you and just like I love my men and the brothers out there, I love my sisters out there. So if you're not by yourself, so hit me up. We'll fight together. Tag me under a post. Somebody's trolling you. I would say block all the trolls, but just in general, don't let, don't take no crap from anyone. Not in your recovery, okay? Uh, addiction recovery is hard enough. We don't need bullies and trolls making it harder for us. So we hit them hard. Like you hit them hard, as hard as you can. So they get the message. Don't play with us because 
because we're in recovery doesn't mean we're weak doesn't mean we're weak we're 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 we're, we're fragile we will hurt we will we we we're strong we we we're stronger than ever because we was warriors we so su- we survived our addictions we survived sleeping in the cold not eating for months and years and abusing ourselves and getting our butts kicked and fighting and and being malnourished and being embarrassed and dirty and we survive all of this negative stuff so we didn't come this far for somebody to 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 minimize how beautiful we are in our recovery we own that shout out to jessica simpson shout out to chrissy teigen shout out to jamie lee curtis shout out to all my sisters out there shout out to mary j blas shout out to everyone out there j-lo everyone that's trying okay trying all you have to do is try. That's enough. You get an E for effort and you go to heaven. God God wants to know we're trying. We're not perfect. So all you have to do is try, and that's your ticket to grace. And don't give up. Every day you get better. You're listening to Sober is Dope. I'm your main man, Pop Buchanan. I love you all. Rescue yourself. Love you yourself. Know that it's never too late to be amazing. Don't doubt yourself. Lean on God. Lean on prayer. Learn how to meditate. Go talk to a therapist. Heal your mental health while you heal your addiction. Prioritize self-love. Prioritize self-care. Eat well. Fast. Learn how to do things to take care of yourself. All right? I love you all. God bless you. And if you are dealing with a midlife crisis or midlife drinking or midlife early recovery, this episode is for you. Peace and love. What changes our whole life is action. Why don't we take action? Fear. What do we got to do to get ourselves to do it? We got to make sure that we push ourselves through it by making a decision. The point in which change happens is a decision. Every change in your life that you want will come from something simple, a decision. People go, what does it take to change? Decide. You go, that sounds so simple and so basic. Was that easy? You'd already have done it, Mr. Robbins. No, it is that easy and you're still not doing it because you are not putting yourself in a state to decide. See, a real decision is not like a preference. It's not like when you say, I'll try it and see. That's not a decision. Decision comes from Latin. It means like incision to cut off from. Decision is when you cut off any possibility except the thing you've committed to. It's like, that is it. How many of you in this room have ever smoked cigarettes and then one day you finally decided no more, I mean really decided, and you've never touched again and you're not even tempted to? How many made that decision one time? Say I. You know what a real decision is. If I came to you today and I said, would you like a cigarette? Would you go, what brand is it? No, you'd probably say to me, no, I'm not a... I want you to hear that. You'd not only say, I don't smoke. I'm not even that kind of person. You literally divorce yourself from being that kind of person. So there's no effort. When you really decide, it's not an effort. Once you've cut it off, it doesn't take effort. Deciding takes effort. But once you decide it, it's over. You don't think about it. It's like it's easier to fast than it is to diet. Because when you're fasting, somebody offers you something, you don't even think about it. You go, no, I'm not eating. Right? When you're dieting, you're like, well, maybe get a little more. This is the little piece of cake. Not that many calories. Right? Pretty soon you're back to where you were again. So a real decision is what you got to make. When you make a real decision, life changes. But it's a real decision. You burn your bridges and only move forward. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Affirmation for love and forgiveness. Close your eyes. Become aware of your breathing. Put your awareness in your heart. Now mentally repeat to yourself, I become capable of love and forgiveness by giving love and forgiveness. I'm capable of love and forgiveness by giving love and forgiveness. I practice attention, which is listening, affection, which is caring, appreciation, noticing the good in others, attention, affection, appreciation, attention, affection, appreciation. This is how I become capable of love and forgiveness. And slowly open your eyes.